What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Potvin, and if you can't tell by my voice, the allergies this season have been kicking my ass. Uh, so today has probably been the worst day so far, so I'm going to try to keep this intro very brief so you don't have to listen to my congested voice anymore. So for this episode of the show, I am joined by Jim Shupak. Jim is a guy who overcame suicidal thoughts and depression to not only earn his doctorate and become a teacher, but to also complete 21 marathons for mental health awareness. Jim was so much fun to talk to, and I wanted to thank him again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now, before we get started here, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. I'm about to crash and have a nap. I'll talk to you all very soon. Peace. Jim, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. The weather's finally getting warm. I can see out your window that you feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's sunny in the, it's about in the 60s. I'm trying to think centigrade. Um, I don't know, like 15, 15? Mm. I'm not sure, 20-ish, which is for here, for now, God bless America. It is like amazing. <laughs> like, um, because recently it has been more like zero centigrade mm-hmm. you know 32 like in the 30s for us i don't know maybe single digits for you folks you know uh, two three four centigrade but man it's it's nice to be able to just walk outside with like maybe a long sleeve shirt and shorts or something like that as opposed to having to get bundled up and worry about like getting wind burn you know so mm-hmm. yeah no i feel that like canada uh because i always promote and tell people that going on walks in nature is like really good like it's prime but um like you know when it was minus 19 it was like no one wants to do that or like when the snow's up to your knees it's like oh so when i went outside and i was like i'm actually sweating in a t-shirt i'm like yes yes i need this oh no i i agree i'm the same way like it's like if it's around zero you know, centigrade, uh, 32 Fahrenheit, you know, and, there, and there's no wind. I'm okay. I can go, I can do my walk. Once the wind hits and it's around, mm. forget it. I'm you no, know, I'm okay. And what stinks is I'm like, I'm a member of a gym, but I'm not going to the gym right now because of the whole COVID thing. So I'm kind of like, I have the time to go now, but I choose not to go now, you know? So eventually I will, like, I just got vaccinated as a teacher. We, we were able to I guess get higher up on the list and I got vaccinated last Friday. So, you know, um, that being said though, it still stinks because I'm still not going to go just yet, maybe in the summer. And, but the thing is in the summer, I can work out outside. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, uh, you need an outlet, anything to relieve some of that stress. Um, especially now, like, you know, yeah. you feel like a caged animal if you're not working mm-hmm. out or if you're not moving your body. And a yeah. lot of us aren't. So no, no, warm weather. warm weather, warm weather will be good. It fine. Like it finally, you know, <laughs> it's like everyone just oh, yeah. took a, a sigh of relief. Oh yeah. And even just the sun, it's just nice having the sun. Like if it's not cloudy, I, like I can take sunny and I don't know, you know, if it's cooler out, but 
if it's cloudy, it's just so blah, you know what I mm. like? I don't know. That's just me. But I mean, like if I see the sun, I'm like such a better mood, you know, like just overall, overall, yeah. like it's just, you know, yeah, no, it's like, totally yeah, it's like a big warm hug. Yeah, you're right. From nature, really. If you think of it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, man. So uh, where does, um, where does your whole story with mental health, like where does your journey start? Um, well, it depends. Like there's two, two potential starts. Now I'll start with the first one. Um, well, no, actually let me do it this way. Hmm. The, the one is uh, when I was about 20 years ago, about 20 or 26 years old. Um, and I started to feel basically I pretty, I was pretty upbeat, pretty laid back, pretty, you know, like the whole bit. Um, and I started to feel not like myself, like basically that someone pushed who I am out of my body and replaced it with someone who was just easily angered, someone who wanted to sleep all day, someone who started to have suicidal thoughts, someone who like, you know, I would sit down and say every minute seemed like an hour, every hour seemed like a day, every day seemed like, and it was just the never ending day. And when I would get to nighttime, I was happy, like as happy as I could be because I got to sleep because I didn't want to be up. I just wanted to sleep, you know, so that that's kind of where, you know, and, and, and I was living like that for about a hundred days, really inside my own head, you know, like where, and I was afraid to say anything because I'm like such a stigma with, I didn't know. I didn't. I was scared. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what the next step was because it's like, what happens if I say something? I don't. The uncertainty, I think, is what kind of scared me to a degree. I have a very loving and caring. Like my parents are awesome. My brother, you know, I was at, at home at that point in time, um, you know, with my parents per se, like above. So it's, it had nothing to do with them. They I they were very supportive once everything, you know, came to head. But so it had nothing to do with them. It was just more of the uncertainty of me, like what I put in my own head at that respect. So for a hundred days, I started, you know, I just lived like that. And I, I used the word loosely, quote unquote, live because it wasn't really living, I'll be honest with you. And um, a friend of mine who, unfortunately, he passed away of a heart attack, but good guy, he had, um, he had depression. And he, rem I remember him telling me, he's like, Jim, is everything okay? And I was like... I don't know, man. I was like, I don't think so. I, I he's like, well, I said, why do you ask? He said, well, because you, you have a lot of the, the symptoms of depression and he himself had it. So like, for me, it was like, I'm like, well, let me look this up. He's like, why don't you look it up? So I looked it up. I, and I tell you, Harry, I had every single symptom, every single symptom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it was like the happiest I had been. It was like, I, I got my own endorphin rush. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, how I feel actually has a name. This is great. Like now was I, was I, you know, happy like I am now. No, but it was like, I know that it has a name. I must have taken a look at about 10 different depression sites just to say like, wait, are these really the symptoms? Are these really this? And I printed them out, you know, cause I, I was basically self-diagnosing my, you know, I, I called my, well, I, I um, emailed my uh, primary care physician and um, set up an appointment with her. And I basically said, I was like, I think I have clinical depression. I said, can I meet with you? Um, you know, she actually was the mom of uh, some youth group kids because at that point in time, I was a youth leader at my church. Um, so I said, "Can I meet with you?" Blah blah blah. You know, so well, wound up going, and it was one of these like, she's like, "Yeah, no problem." Um, you know, and I was, I was I'm not gonna lie, I was embarrassed. I just scared, maybe more than embarrassed. So she met me at the university where I went, where she also was one of the staff doctors. 
So I went over there, met her over there, and I said, Dr. Blonde, I have all this. Like, I think I have depression. Like, you know, and, and she gave me depression tests, and she's like, yeah, it looks like you do. You know, I, and, and we set up a plan, which included talk therapy, which, believe it or not, was awesome. Like, it was just to talk to someone who doesn't really know. Who, well, she didn't know me. She didn't know me from anyone. Like, so I talked to her for um, about maybe three or four months, either weekly or biweekly. But it was just good to just get whatever was on my mind, you know, off just to, just to talk to someone who didn't know me, who couldn't prejudge it, for lack of a better word. And who really, she, she wasn't trying to fix me as much like just to listen. And then, you know, eventually she would give some suggestions, like, have you thought about this or this? But not that she was saying, well, you need to do this. It was more, have you thought about this? Like kind of putting the ball in my court. So doing that, and, and I was on um, uh, antidepressant. We, they did put me on an antidepressant. And before you know it, within a couple months, I didn't have to go back to talk therapy. Even the therapist said, I, you know, Jim, I think you're good. Um, and, you know, like as far as I think you're good enough where you don't need to see me anymore. And um, it, like I still take the antidepressants. I still have anxiety. Um, but, you know, fortunately, the depression is pretty much at bay. Like I've kind of that one seems to be in, in you know, I don't want to say gone, but controlled, for lack of a better word. Um you know, I don't feel the way that I used to during those hundred days. So that that's kind of where, you know, where it started. And then, um, you know, from that point on, it was kind of like my promise to, I like, I'm a Catholic and I, and I was raised Catholic and I'm very, you know, my, my religion, my faith really helped me a lot. My, the friends that I was blessed to have around me, uh, my dog who he's no longer with us, he passed away about 10 years ago, but who basically would come up to me and without saying it in exact words say i need to take you for a walk and i just like he knew he knew like he just there was and he knew so he would go for a little walk but i would always feel better and um so that's kind of where it started but like i my my goal was because i lost those hundred days harry i wanted to get those hundred days back now can i really get them back no but maybe symbolically i can so one one thing i started to do is when i started to walk you know it became maybe a mile, um, maybe two miles, three miles, like a five kilometer, three kilometer, four kilometer. And then I eventually trained for a 5K, you know, three miles. And I, you know, I, I felt good about it. I was like, this running, this endorphin rush is awesome. Like the body, your body's own way of like your happy juice, really, like your body's producing this, you know. And then before you know it, and I did this probably the wrong way. So, <laughs> I went from a 5K to training for a 42K, otherwise known as a marathon. And yeah, so, you know, put it this way, do as I say, not as I do. I'll put it that, but like, I, it was my way of kind of telling depression that, like, I don't know how to put it. Like, just saying like, you don't control me, I control you, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, and, 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 and so I started to train for, you know, find my first marathon, uh, Steamtown Marathon in Scranton, which ironically enough, we were talking before, is where the office is based out of the television show, one that I absolutely love. But, um, you know, I did that one. And after the, the lactic acid and the pain, you know, wore off, I was, it eventually dawned on me that this is my way of getting back my hundred days that I lost. So I, I'm on a mission now to finish a hundred marathons in my lifetime. And, and I finished 21. So, um, most recently, I did four marathons in four months, and that was 2016. 
And the reason I had to stop in 2016 was because I started my doctoral studies, which were incredibly intense. And yeah, I could train maybe to do a 5K, but you're not training for a marathon when you're going. Like I, I couldn't. There's just no way, shape, or form. So, you know, that's that's kind of the the journey there. But going back to that, the reason I said there might be two journeys here is because when I was 13, I had a what was known as a seizure, um, a grand mal seizure. So the convulsing will have, there's no history of that in my family, none, zero, nada. Like, so um, my neurologist, when I, you know, have seen my neurologist, he's actually like a friend now because we have a relationship over 20 years. Um, he had told me that the chemical imbalance that occurred due to the seizure condition might have just continued on and may have um, been part of the cause of the clinical depression. I don't know that for a fact. He doesn't know that for a fact. So one day I'll ask God if that's the reason, but I have no clue. You know what I mean? Like, but that's, that's why I said there's two potential beginnings. The one when I was 13, but at that point I was fine. Like, um, as far as like, I didn't have any, um, depression or any symptoms that I was aware of, but that could have been the impetus, the start of something that happened 13 years later. So that's, you know, for whatever worth, for whatever it's worth. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it depression. Um, it's strange, right? Because so many little things can be the cause. And oh, yeah. it's impossible, not impossible, but it's so hard to pinpoint one thing where it's like, yeah, that's the reason. And then that's in one individual, let alone like, yeah, every individual on the planet, because everyone goes through stuff. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a reason why I personally think there's so much stigma around it is mm -hmm. because it is almost impossible to understand why each person gets the depression that they get yeah. or gets that low point that they get because there's so many different factors to take in yeah oh no no i agree like even for me like here it was let's let's say that the the seizure condition because i'm it's it's controlled now i take medicine for it and that's why i have no hair but i'm okay with that i'd, <laughs> I'd rather be without hair and be alive you know what i mean i'm okay with that yeah. so um but at that plus at that point in time in my life it was february february is a very depressing month like in general like weather wise so we we're talking about the weather before just a very 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 depressing month like it's just very blah very, like oh and i'm not i don't do winter activities so i'm not a skier i don't go like it, it I, I have cabin fever like in that point in time and then at that point also i was kind of getting burned out i think from my career like i i worked at my church and i enjoyed it I, it was great i loved it there were opportunities for me to do service trips and speaking spanish i was a translator changed my life entirely to go to el salvador honduras nicaragua mexico all on service trips and i i really got to meet people who totally changed my life but i think at that point in time it was almost like i had another calling where i think that the combination of those three might have kind of told me like, all right, um, it just may have caused the chemical imbalance to come back for lack of a better word. Like situational, I guess might be the best way of putting it. Like maybe something that was already there through the, um, the, the seizure condition, but then maybe situational combining the three and that could have caused it. I don't know that for a fact, but that's how I am rationalizing it. You know, and I sleep better at night just knowing, okay, this is what I think it is. That's mm -hmm. my educated guess. Yeah. It, it, the way I can compare it is uh, with a physical thing I went through. Um, when I was a swimmer, I went through a really bad back injury, like pretty much ended my career. 
Uh, not that I was going anywhere with it. Like I was going to retire after that season anyway, but it kind of ended it earlier than I would have liked. Sure. Um, and the reason I like it started with some hits in high school rugby that really inflamed my discs and kind of got it going. Yeah. But once I was in a situation in university where like I hadn't stretched, I was swimming uh, eight to 10 times a week. Um, I was lifting super heavy weights. That's kind of when it really poured over the top. That's kind of how I can relate to the depression. Like it did de- people, if we looked at depression more like a physical strain or a physical injury, I, th- I feel like people would be more understanding and more, willing to learn about it like at the end of the day the brain's a muscle Mm -hmm. yeah no and and like i've even seen like there's tests that can demonstrate the amount of like the the chemical imbalance that potentially exists in certain people now that they're actually do exist you know so it's important i think that that science and, and like um doctors demonstrate that because i think they can help to maybe mitigate the the um the stigma you know, to a certain degree with, with some of what is actually out there. Um, but yeah, no, no, without a doubt. And I think just more people talking about it because mm-hmm. put it this way here, based on what you said too, you're not going to tell someone who like, I'm asthmatic. You're not going to tell someone who's asthmatic. Well, you just need to breathe more air. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, like, like, I'm like, you know, I won't even tell you what I'll tell that person. You know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to tell someone who's asthmatic. You're not going to tell someone who needs triple bypass surgery. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to say because it's almost a ridiculous thing. You know, like you just need to, to man up. You need to, I don't know, get more blood in your system. Yeah, sure. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? Like, or you're not going to tell someone and I hate like who has cancer, like just get rid of your cancer. It doesn't work that way. Like, you know, I've had people close to me who unfortunately have died of cancer. I would never in a million years think of saying something like that to them. They need support. Just like, you know, any of us, any of us who are going through something like mental health uh, challenges need support, you know, and and like I was blessed that when I was going through mine, I had great support, you know, and, and which was be, like they went, well, and some of them were family, like really blood family, but some of them were good friends that became like, fam- like basically they are my like extended family because of the support that they gave me, you know, because I think you have to have that. And, and even just now, like the transition, getting out of depression um, for anybody, you have to surround yourself with, with what I call good people, like people that are going to support you. And even, even for me, 20 years down the road, the same thing. But now I can kind of choose more so who I surround myself with. Like one thing I, like I coach soccer and, one, and I teach and I tell a lot of my students and, and my athletes, I said, you know, you're the, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most. So choose those five people wisely, because if you don't choose them wisely, you're going to be the average of, if it's someone who uses drugs, who uses alcohol, who maybe is involved in activities that uh, are not the best activities, well, you're going to be part of that. You're going to be the average of that, you know? So mm-hmm. you need to look for the people that are going to be there and support you in a, in a good way, you know, and like find the, um, the better way to to overcome like people who are going to be more well here an example for me for the people that i surround myself with aren't even people well one of them is my wife obviously so she but then like i I might introduce you to my dog before the other the other ones are i have three dogs and i have a cat well there's four plus the one you know so we have five here but they just want to love and be loved that's really it so it's it's just having that positive 
I think, um, support, you know, and we're going to have our down days, like, especially in the winter for me, oh, I, it's just not, it's not, and you know, that's usually when I would go to the gym more so because of the fact that I need to go to the gym. Like, it's almost like all this stress that comes to head and I'm like, I just, I have to release it somehow, you know, and unfortunately with the gym not being for me, not a choice right now, there are times like we were talking before, like maybe it's zero, like centigrade 32. And I bought running pants that are for cold weather. And I'm just going to go for one mile, two miles, whatever. And I, but then I feel better and it's just, it clears my head. I'll, I'll blast, uh, not blast, but I'll, I'll listen to music. I'm one of those people who I need to have music on, but it might be more, music for me at least uh, i'm more of a child of the 80s and 90s music i won't lie to you but i like music like that that maybe it brings me back to my childhood where there's simpler times and i just feel more relaxed and i feel more like the kid who can be more carefree as opposed to one who has to like tackle on you know the world so and i think we all need that mm-hmm. yeah no I, I completely agree sometimes feeling like a kid is like the most simple way to just feel better they're oh, just yeah. so carefree Oh. oh, yeah. Well, and that's why I like, like, you know, some people even say, how do you teach middle school kids? Seventh and eighth grade, they're 12 and 13. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe. How do you do that? I said, because I wouldn't want to teach any other age. Because yeah. those kids are like, I learned so much about life from those kids, just about appreciating the moment, about, you know, it's okay to be a little wacky and goofy, you know. And when it's time to do your business, you know, like to study, you got to study. But at the same time, like, just... You know, it's okay to to just not take everything so seriously, you know, and, and, and I do look like I coach high school as well. And I love coaching that age, too, as same with middle school. But it's just nice to to be around people who not going to lie. Sometimes I wind up acting like a 12 or 13 year old, you know, like uh, just because it, it's just nice to be able to do that. And when you're surrounded by them all the time, you know, I. Like I have, even my students, they think it's like I do a British accent and they're like, oh, Senor Shupak, can you do your British accent for us? And and I'll do it. And I'm like, and I even feel better about myself. Like they think it's, can you do a British accent with somebody speaking Spanish? And I'll be like, sure. All right. But it, I'm not every day, but it's kind of like just living in the moment and just not being, being a little more carefree. And like we we're saying too before, like talking about comedies, like just laughing. And just not having to worry about the seriousness of life that really is is here and it's here to stay, you know, like, so being able to take a step back and just watch TV for an hour, two hours, whatever. And, you know, I'll binge watch The Office and and I'm literally crying and my stomach hurts. And, you know, we were talking about the Impractical Jokers. That's even more so of laughter and crying. I mean, like, I'll be on the floor literally laughing my butt off. and. and it's just great because that's an endorphin rush in itself, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like the runner's high. I call it the laughers high. You know, I even tell some of my friends, I said, I not only do I have, um, you know, uh, exercise induced asthma, I have like laughter induced asthma to a certain degree, because if I laugh too much, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to like relax. I have to, like, you know, settle down, you know, but it's it's a nice challenge to have it, for lack of a better word, because it means I am laughing that much. It means that like the endorphin rushes running through and I I'm feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And comedy, I like com- comedians got me through some of the pandemic. I'm going to be honest, like just yes. comedy where it's like, 
it, it doesn't even have to be that like no thinking dumb comedy which is amazing but right. like even the smarter jokes just oh, yeah. to be able to sit down and laugh at things that are going on like mm-hmm. it's so valuable like when, once we get out of this and i think in the states they're starting to open up again but comedy yeah. stores are going to explode in yeah. my opinion i think anyway because everyone needs a laugh they just need to yeah. laugh about something yeah. yep no even well <laughs> i laugh at this because again going back to impractical jokers my Christmas, one of my Christmas presents for my wife, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas prior, were tickets to see the Impractical Jokers. Well, mm-hmm. that got postponed for obvious reasons. Well, then it was supposed to be um, in, I think, August of this year. It got postponed again until, you know, um, April, I think, of, of 2022. But that being said, my wife has seen them in concert or concert show, whatever you want to call it. But she said, it's like, yes, they are funny, but there's certain things that they do say that do get you to think, but they get you to laugh hysterically too. Like on the show, it's more, you know, what can I do to get this person to not do what I want them to do? You know, but there, it seems like there's a little bit more thought, pro- I don't want to say thought process too, because there's thought process on the show, but thought process as far as um, maybe thinking outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, impractical jokers, man. They got me through some rough parts of uni. I'll oh, yeah. be honest. Yeah, they're uh, no. they're so funny. No, and like I told you before, like here, like I put them in my dissertation. Like they're in my acknowledgments of my dissertation, just because, like I, just the stresses of academic, you know, like just working in not working but like studying. You need to have that outlet, you know, and and from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. almost month every day almost i mean there's times i would fall asleep watching them and i'd wake up at two in the morning and i'm like oh, i better go to bed but still like they beyond helpful yeah i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah no i love them uh i wanted to uh go back a little bit because i read i read in um I, I don't want to say where it was because I don't remember, but you mentioned uh, somewhere that you had an out-of-body experience um, yes. in your depression. What I, what was that out-of-body experience? Well, um, what it was, Harry, is that, like, remember, I, I go back to me being Catholic, and, and uh, it was 100 days, like, that I was really going through, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was hell. It really was hell. Like, um, and as, as far as that was concerned, you know, I prayed every single day. I was like, God, either take me. I'm not going to do it myself, but either take me or make me feel better, please. One or the other. I'm, I'm glad he chose the reason, you know, the path that I'm on. But at that point in time, you just want to get through the next second, the next minute, the next hour. You're not thinking 20 minutes, 20 years down the road. You're thinking 20 seconds down the road, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and for me, at my worst moment, Harry, when I tell you this, and I've never used drugs, no alcohol, nothing. But the one night, I swear to you, I was out of my body, and I saw the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And I swear, in the corner of my parents' house, and I'll tell you what, I learned that night I have the fear of God because, my gosh, when I when I woke up, my heart was beating out of my chest. And, I mean, I, like, I remember it like it was yesterday. And for me, it's like I'm very humbled to be able to say that because – I don't, I'm not worthy of that. And you know what I mean? But, but I think that was maybe the push that I needed that. Like, God was like, I'm listening and I got you. Like, cause it was just, and I, I tell you what, I, every stuffed animal that I've ever had throughout my entire life, I probably was sleeping with that stuffed animal that night because it was just that, 
mm. you know, intense. But at that point in time, from that day on, everything got better. It was just like the first step to realize like, yes, you've hit rock bottom, but here's the plan is coming. And I mean, I'm blessed to say that from that point on, like, you know, finishing, you know, the marathons, um, getting my doctorate, like doing all this service work, that all came after the fact. So it was almost like I was able to use that to hopefully help other people. Really, that's my, my goal was to give back. You know, they say like, you know, it really the, the secret of life is finding your gift and giving it away. You know, and, and that's hopefully what I found is like this, my gift is overcoming the depression and, and having that message and being able to, to help other people. You know, unfortunately, you're blessed. I was blessed to, uh, to have you give me that opportunity because hopefully that if there's one person listening whose life that we can, you know, realize that to show them like there is hope on the other side. And I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm. I'm good. You know, I've, I've done my job, you know, like I will not even mm-hmm. call it a job. It's like a, a calling almost like, and, 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 and like not to, to go back to this, but like I having gone to El Salvador, one of their, one of their big people in El Salvador, national hero is a guy named Monsignor Oscar Romero, who he died for uh, talking in favor of the poor. I mean, and when I say poor, I'm talking like impoverished people who didn't have basically a shirt on the, you know, like that didn't and um he was known as a voice for the voiceless but i i've gone and i've seen where he was you know unfortunately killed his room i've seen the clothes he was wearing when he was killed i've seen where his tomb is and i think he's kind of inspired me to be a different type of voice and, and like like yourself even a voice for the the mentally the people who are suffering from mental health challenges because i think we do have that how would i put it the fact that we're talking about this now means that we have that like i want to call it a duty but almost like an obligation to to help other people because we feel strong enough in who we are you know like that's just my my two cents my opinion but i see it's like being a voice for those who can't speak for themselves because maybe they're not strong enough yet but they will be they just have Mm -hmm. to follow you know the right path and i mean i do the same thing for for rescue pets because rescue animals don't have a voice and i see myself as a voice for the voiceless we have three rescue pets at home that's a totally different aside but still i i I like to think he inspired me and spiritually to to do that yeah 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 no it's it it's when i like i know because i believe my calling is similar to yours in the sense that i want to be that voice for people um and when people ask me all the time like how do you do you know, the podcast for however long or however frequently you do it. It doesn't like, I don't even think about it. It's not like, I'm like, Oh, I have to do this and that and that it's like, this is like, I get to sit down and talk to people about things that I'm passionate about. Like, come on, man. It's like, it's a hobby, but like, it's so fun. It, I don't even yeah. see it as an obligation. Um, what was I going to say? It Sometimes, you know, you forget the impact you have by sharing your story. And I know I've, I've done that uh, personally where like, I'll share my story and I don't think anything of it because in my head, I just, my whole life, I've just assumed that I'm the same as everyone. I'm not interesting. Um, And then you, you know, you'll get the messages of people who have been touched by what you've said. And that's when you kind of go like, Oh yeah. Right. Like this is bigger than me. Yeah. No, like, yeah. 
I, I've had the same thing happen to me here. Like I, I, one of the marathons I did, um, actually a friend of mine who was doing one of the marathons, her brother had a plan to kill himself. And when she did the marathon and I did, he didn't. And it got him talking about like, wait, I feel the same way that he feels. So, and he, he's married, has a family. He, and it's like, I've had other people who have reached out to me because, you know, I'll post on my Facebook account, you know, like I was blessed to have this great conversation with Harry today, you know, and it'll be, you know, whenever it, it comes out, I'll make sure to post it for you guys to listen to. I've had people reach out from other, you know, podcasts that I've been blessed to be on. And they might be people that I haven't talked to in years. And they'll say, Jim, I know you're really like a huge advocate and you're very open about your mental health. My, you know, my friend is having some issues here. Can you give me some suggestions? And then I'll ask them some questions and blah, blah, you know, and, and it's, it's just, it's kind of like when I hear that and I hear, okay, this person didn't, you know, kill themselves because I talked to them. It's a very humbling feeling. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. for me, it is like, and I'm, but I realized like, I, I found my path. That's what I'm supposed to do. Like there's, because it's like, I don't want to call it a power, but it's almost like overcoming. It's, it's almost like there's certain information, certain knowledge that we possess that other people don't, that we, you know, it's like having, having a gift of overcoming in, in my opinion. And, and here it's like, we're able to give that gift away, not in that just, I don't want anyone else to experience what I went through ever, but to at least educate other people where they realize like, Hey, I know somebody who feels that way or felt that way. Can they come read talk to you? I was like, yeah, no problem. You can talk to me. I, I'll be happy to talk to them, you know? And, and it's just, I want to say it's cool to talk, but I think it's important to talk about that. Like, it, you know, like just because it, it breaks down barriers and it opens up lines of communication. You know, I've, I've had, you know, other students who, when I talked about, you know, to larger groups about things, they've even said like, Hey, I talked to my dad because I felt the way that you did. And lo and behold, I do have some, like, you know, some depression and anxiety. And I want to thank you for, for talking about it because I, I have been in a fog recently and I didn't know I, and it's like, it's like you said, it's, it's bigger than us, but it's mm -hmm. cool to be, to play a role. And it's like, for me, it's like, it's nice to be able to do that to help other people because you start to see the successes that people have in getting the help and really living their true authentic self. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had a, uh, an experience where a guy that I hadn't talked to in over a decade, he like reached out to me through DM and I FaceTimed him and we, we, we talked for the first time in like over 10 years. It, it might've been 12 years. And like that night he was going to end it. No kidding. And he, nope. he, he didn't, he wasn't following my page, but he saw it on his explore and then that stopped him. That's and yet, when you get calls like that, it's like, it, it, I don't know. It kind of makes you take a step back and you're like, like, you know, sometimes like it's hard to find the value in what you do. And I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, bash advocacy or anything. I love what I do, but sometimes it's hard to find the value just because at the mm -hmm. end, like, like it, it's just me in my closet, you know, right. like it, sometimes it's everything's yeah. through a screen, everything's through social media. So it's just, 
sometimes it feels like I'm on my own. And sometimes it feels like I'm just talking to a brick wall because, right. you know, you get the news outlet or the news and things in the media and you read comments and you just assume that we're going backwards in yeah. terms of progress. But then you get a text like that and you're like, it, it put, it puts things back into perspective. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and it just shows you like how that I think people want help. Like people really want help. They just sometimes don't know how to get that help. But I give, you know, the, that individual props for reaching out because I, I mean, for me, I know that first step to getting help and admitting I needing help was probably the toughest step I took in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, I'm living in my own head. I'm like, what's the, what happens after I say how I feel? I don't know what's going to happen. How are my parents going to, how are my brother going to, how's this person going to react? And, but then once I got the help and I remember the doctor, she told me this and I, you know, when I was, you know, embarrassed that she said, Jim, I'm going to tell you something. You're not the first person I've ever seen who's, who I've diagnosed with clinical depression and I you sure as heck are not going to be the last. So she said, you know, it, you're, you're one of many. And I mean, you know, look at this, Harry. I don't know if this is the world, but I know in the United States at least, and this is, I call this kind of symbolic with the whole marathon thing, at least for the, in the U.S. being 26.2 miles. They said that approximately 26.2% of the population will have a mental health, will suffer a mental health challenge during their lifetime. What's well, one out of every four? You know, and mm-hmm. here we're talking, you know, people talk about, you know, it, like, and I'm the asthmatic, so if you have, you know, asthma, this is what you should do. You take your inhaler, you take other medicine, you know, make sure you go out, whatever, blah, blah. But no one thinks any different about asthma. Um, you know, it's if you are having, you know, issues with maybe a muscle or you tear a muscle, okay, you get an MRI, you blah, blah, maybe you have surgery. Okay, everyone's, everyone's signing your cast, you know, but it's kind of like when you talk about, like, I think, you know, I have a chemical imbalance. Well, there's one out of every four people, at least, you know, we're going to say approximately who 25%. That's a large part of the population of the entire world. You know, if, if you look at, say, if there's eight, 8 billion people in the world, like that's 2 billion people like yeah. that, that's significant. So why are we not talking about that as much, if not more than what are we talking about? Some of the, the other you know, ailments that people have that are still important, don't get me very important, but it's kind of like that, that mind body connection, like even just physical and mental connection, because it, it needs to be talked about because it's not like, oh, it's a small, like, you know, 0.25%. No, it's, not, it's 25%. Like, you know, in, in the nuclear family, say if there's four people in the family, one out of every four is going to have that. Like I look in, in my classrooms and there's 20 students in my classes, that means there's probably about five people, five students who at some point in their life are going to have something. I would say that's pretty significant, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, that's some, you know, that's something that needs to be talked about a lot more. And even it's still, you know, swept under the carpet certain times with, you know, certain families don't want to talk about what's going on. Oh, like, well, he, he's having some, you know, issues right now, blah, blah, blah. Or he's a little like, and I hate the word crazy. I won't even go into that. Like, and, and as far as like, oh, that he's acting, he's crazy. I'm like, no, he needs help. And you're just exacerbating the stigma that exists. 
you need to watch your language. You know, like, I'm not talking. <laughs> I mean, the person yeah, who's yeah, saying yeah. it, like, so t- no, but I'm saying, like, you know, it's like he has a chemical imbalance, or she has, and right now he's getting or she's getting help for that. He's going to talk therapy, and it's no different than you taking a puffer on your inhaler or you taking extra medicine, or like in my case for my, you know, seizure disorder, you know, taking valporic acid and getting an MRI every once in a while or blood tests to see what they have for me that valporic acid is in my blood system. There's no, you know, why are we talking about one a lot more than the other when like said 25%, my gosh, man, that's like, that's a lot, you know, like, so Mm. imagine the difference that could be made if the stigma was changed where, you know, like, and, 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 I, I strongly believe like, you know, even just us talking about it and there are other people out there that are like that, that will hopefully mitigate some of the, the stigma that exists. But I think it, a lot of it happens like in small communities, like you have to start in a small community and have advocacy groups and, and people who like ourselves who are very passionate about it, who are going to be the person who is that voice for the voiceless and, and say like, no, we, we've had this and we need to, do something about it. Like not, this isn't something that sweeps under the carpet. You don't, you don't sweep asthma under the carpet. You don't sweep cancer under the carpet. You don't sweep like a, a broken bone under the carpet, you know? So why are we sweeping this under the carpet? Why are we not talking about it more? Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't, I'll get off my, uh, you know, thighs. but it's like that. You could see I'm like, like you are just very passionate about it. Yeah, of course. I think, I think uh, the problem, not problem, but the thing for a lot of people is like when you hear one in four, yes, it's a huge two billion people if you take that. And that's like, I almost feel like that's lowballing it now. But right, I think yeah. so too. But if you take one in four and you don't take into account the amount of people in the world, because eight billion is really hard to fathom. Right. But just hearing 25%, you're like, oh, that's not even that bad. Like from a numbers perspective, I think that's that's what some people look at it as. They're like, yeah, one in four, that's like nothing. It's like, no, that's actually a lot of people. That's a lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Two billion people. Yeah. Well, and, and like we're saying too, in the nuclear family, say if there's four people, one person in that family most likely will have some sort of, you know, mental health challenge in their life. So in every family of four, that's the approximate. So even looking at it that way, you know, it's it's definitely high, you know, like there, it, it, put it this way, the opportunity, I don't, that's a bad word. Useful. Um, the chance that it will affect each family in some way, shape or form is definitely significant. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I think that should be fixed, especially in like Western civilization, like North America and Europe and stuff, the way we view therapy not not view therapy, but the way therapy is given to us. I think too often we try to address the symptoms as opposed to the solution. So when people are like, yeah, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, the therapists and doctors, and I'm not bashing them by any means, it's just the system that we've grown up with. They like go for the symptoms as opposed to going, well, what's going on at home? Or like, right. you, like if you, there was a study that I was reading about that they uh doc- some doctors went to Cambodia i believe it was Cambodia and they were trying to introduce antidepressants to that uh community and there was never ever any pill kind of antidepressant sure. for these people 
and the doctors were like well how do you deal with like the people who go through like depressive moments or periods or have depression anxiety and they were basically they basically told them like you know we we give them a cow and it sounds strange but having that animal to care for and then that community of other cow owners and farmers and everything introducing that person into a community with a, a new purpose for life changed them dramatically as opposed to just giving them an antidepressant which i, I was on them too I, I don't bash them, but I, I, I feel like there's a different way that we should go about therapy. I feel like antidepressants are helpful, but I feel like we've almost made therapy in an individual kind of yeah. process as opposed to a communal process. No, yeah, no, no, I agree. And like, and it seems like in some of these countries outside, you know, of outside the first world countries, for lack of a better word, Many of like in the first world, it seems like we're very siloed to a certain degree where there isn't as much community as there could be. Meanwhile, in some of these other countries, like, I, you know, from my service trips, like I said, the El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, there seems to be more of a, a sense of community in those countries that I have ever experienced in the United States or in other trips to other first world countries. So I think, you know, like I, I think what Cambodia is doing is awesome, like because we were talking about dogs before, like, you know, I have, here's the one who's on my lap now, you know, but he, um, caring for another animal and just like, I just, it, it makes you feel so much better. No, like I have to give this animal care. I have to provide for it. Like it gives you almost a purpose. It really does give you that purpose. Like the cow needs me to wake up. The cow needs me to feed it. The cow needs me, you know, or the dog or the cat or, whatever pet that might be. And I, I strongly believe in pet therapy for sure. Like I've had friends who go, uh, who just went for therapy, a friend, um, for horse, it was, uh, in Florida for horses. And, you know, he kind of came back and he, he very changed because of the fact, just that connection you have with the horse. And it could be, again, it doesn't have to be a horse, but in his case it was, but I do think that that does play a, a big role in it. It can just, you know, even even if a person can't have a pet, maybe um, volunteer at a shelter, you know, a pet shelter. I mean, and, and just be around pet because as you're aware, Harry, there's just such an aura of love of, of these, you know, dogs, cats that they want to love and be loved, you know. And I think that in itself is it's kind of an antidepressant in itself, really, you mm -hmm. know, you know. So and I think just just seeing the joy that the pets see and it, or another animal that like I said, it could be a cow or a horse or anything has when, when you are helping it. I mean, like just the joy in their face and they want to lick you and they want you to whatever, like you can't help but be happy, you know, or at least put a smile on your face. So I, you know, I totally get it. But, but going back to what you said, and I apologize, like, yeah, it seems like there's more community in, at least in my experience, again, this is just my experience in some of these third world countries where they realize like, I need you to help me, but I will, you also need me to help you and we'll, we'll work together where I don't know here, at least in the United States in general, I, I see a lot of more silo, like this is my silo. This is your silo. That is just, you know, and it's more in, in some of the, the urban, like the inner community, the inner city communities, I have seen more community related help. I don't, you know, and I'm sure you're going to still see your silos there as well. Uh, yeah 
Yeah, I uh, my my one of my best friends, he's Colombian, and uh, his family and him are super super close, like amazing. And like I I considered myself close with my family, but you know when you compare it to that, I'm like, yeah, we really are fairly isolated in our society now. It's I, it's just so competitive. It's like a dog yeah. eat dog world out there. It's funny, and I laugh when you say Colombian because I'm Colombian. On my mom's oh, side, yeah. oh, I'm I'm first generation. Yeah, she was born in in Neva, Wila. Um, no, not Neva. Um, San Agustin. I don't expect you to know that it is, but but uh, in in Colombia, and she had nine brothers and sisters. But the reason I laugh is, um, on WhatsApp, I'm texting my cousin, my one cousin, who I'm really close with. We must text a hundred times a day. <laughs> and I mean, I text him more than I text some of my friends here in the United States, who I still text a lot, but like we're texting and we'll text the most random nonsense stuff. But yeah, so going back to that, same thing, like in Colombia, like I'm texting her, I'm, I'm my aunt, who's also my godmother, my mom's sister, like I'll be calling her, texting her, whatever. WhatsApp is one of the greatest creations. That's far, you know, I'm, I don't work for them or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, it definitely has helped bring us closer together, even though they're, 3,000 plus miles away, it seems like they're right next door. Yeah, so I, I, I totally can understand and appreciate that as far as, you know, the Colombian um, aspect. So for sure, 100%. And I mean, in, in Latin America in general, I've seen that a lot with the uh, families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a whole tight knit vibe yep. to it. Mm-hmm. And as a family man myself, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's so awesome. No, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, like, and, and like I said, I'm super close with a lot of my cousins, even some that are second, third, fourth cousins. I'm closer to them than maybe some cousins that I have here in the U.S. that are mm-hmm. maybe second, you know, cousins. Not that I'm not close to them. I am close to them, but I'm talking more to the ones that live 3,000 miles away than maybe ones that are live, you know, a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I can totally appreciate that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, when, so when you started opening up about how you were feeling, what, when did, um, when did you become a teacher? Was this during around the same time? This was, was it actually, it was late. I became a teacher 2007. Um, this happened, let me see, 2001 is mm-hmm. when it occurred. And then by the time I really started talking out about it was more 2003, 2004, 2005. Like once I felt like I was in a really good place with it. And again, it's just like, I felt like it was something I was supposed to do, you know, but yeah, like even people have said, like, don't you, you know, does it ever cross your mind? Like if some people might not like what you're saying or this, I said, honestly, I don't care what other people think. I know I'm helping people who need to be helped and the people who think differently, that's fine. They, because when they need help, guess who they're going to go to? They're going to mm-hmm. go to me, <laughs> you know? So I, I'm kind of like, I'm just being authentic. I'm being myself. I'm, my goal is to help people. It's like, I don't care what other people think of me. This is, this is who I am. And this is what, you know, like it is what it is, you know? So it, it's just for me, I, I just want to help as many people and, and educate and, and just kind of be, again, like I go back to Oscar Romero's, Monsignor Oscar, like the voice for the voiceless, just to provide that, you know. And, and like I've, I've talked to some of my soccer girls about it, and 
I call them, they're soccer players, but I call them soccer because they'll always be my, my kids, you know, to a certain degree, like, and, uh, you know, a lot of them know that I'm going through anxiety, you know, have, you know, that I have it and that I used to have depression and a lot of them themselves have, but they know, well, shoot, that's what they call me. Shoot, S-H-O-O-P. That's just, you know, whatever has, has gone through stuff. So they know like they, they can reach out to me if they ever have any, and it, like their parents know that too. And, you know, so it's like, it's nice to be able to be that person who, if they are going through something that maybe is similar to what I did, hopefully they never do. But if, even if it's just the beginnings of it, well, they know they can talk to me and they, I could kind of give them suggestions or some ideas. And it's, it's nice to be able to, to be that person who um, can hopefully guide them in the right direction, you know, because I can't diagnose anyone. I can't, give anyone you know medicine if they want medicine i i can't do that but i can say this is what i this is what happened to me this is what i did this is what worked for me you know and and you know some doctors can't say from experience well when i had depression that they you know they went to medical school and which thank god they did because we need more people who are advocates from you know mental health but they might not have that experience that we had like that you know with the mm-hmm. could say well this is how i felt some of them might not be able to say well this is what the book says okay well that which is fine you, know, you need to have that but i think having that person that you can connect with one-to-one is is so important because they realize that they're not alone they realize that there's other people who have gone through it and they realize that there's somebody that they can talk to you know because it it's not at first, the easiest thing to necessarily talk about, but once you, I think once you get into it and you really do, it's like you realize like we're not really that much different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, for many, yeah. Yeah, like no one's, no one's that much different. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's a, um, there's a lot of value in having a coach or a teacher that has gone through it themselves. Like I never, I never had that as a kid. So most coaches I had or teachers I had, they just didn't get it. And they like, I mean, you know, the older generations, they just refuse to learn. So having someone that goes through it, I feel like that's like, how could you be mad at that? Seriously? Like they're not going to like, you're never going to go diagnose a kid and you're never going to go give them strict, follow these rules. But to say like, Hey, I get it. I've been there. Like when a kid's looking for answers, like that it doesn't get more valuable than that. Yeah, and, and even their parents too, because the parents in themselves are probably like, I don't know what to do. I don't mm-hmm. know how to get this, you know, I don't know who to talk to. Well then you have someone there that you can talk to. And, and that, you know, I think that it, it helps them and it if anything, because that's a lot, I'm sure like when the parent is, you know, the kids asking for help and if a parent doesn't know where to go, that's a lot of you know, extra stress on them. And if they realize like, Oh, well, I can talk to him or I can talk to her, or, you know, they're open about, okay, well then at least that way I can get answers. And that's where I think people really want is they want answers on where to go next. How can I get help to, to make my daughter, my son, my cared for one, you know, feel better mm-hmm. or get better or, you know, get a better quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's definitely going in the right direction. I think there's more parents opening up and asking for advice and help. And there's definitely more kids opening up about what they're going through just because of conversations like this, like the amount of young boys, not young boys, like young men that I've talked to who open up about their experiences and they're like 19, 18. I'm like, man, if I would have never 
done that. I would have been yeah. terrified to do what you just casually slipped out to me through a Zoom call. It's like yeah. it, you can see the change happening. It's it's pretty awesome. Oh, for sure. And I think it's just so important. And I think maybe just hopefully the society in general is starting to open up a little bit more. And, it's, and especially with COVID, like the you know the numbers of people who are now going through some sort of mental health challenges i know the hospitals are like filled and what have you and it's it's almost forcing more people to talk about it because they have to you know Mm -hmm. and if anything that's that's one thing i you know just from reading articles to talking to people here like they've even told me like a lot of the hospitals are are filled with kids who unfortunately are going through their own mental health challenges but it, it kind of is maybe opening up helping the hospitals and just helping society realize like we need to talk about this more. It's not just like kids being kids because those kids are eventually going to be adults who deserve a better quality of life, you know, and, and, and the parents, hopefully, cause that's so important to have that family support, um, you know, and just being able to open up that line of communication and just having that family support where you can say like, oh, man, I, I don't feel myself, you know, something is wrong. And having, you know, like not having a dad or mom say, oh, you know, just, you know, man up or, or just leave me alone. Well, then, of course, the next you're not going to go back to that parent anymore because they're not going to listen to you. You know, they're so it's like, where do you go next? So I think mm-hmm. having that family support is just so important, because if you don't, you know, if you can't trust your family, then it's like, who knows where you might wind up going? Because, again, I go back to like the average of the five people you spend, you know, with the time with the most. and finding people who hopefully will lead you to the right path is important. And that's where schools also play a role with, you know, guidance counselors, school psychologists, where they can hopefully um, do more with promoting mental health awareness and mental health, um, just opportunities to promote mental health and and just promote, um, how would I put it? Mitigating the stigma through like education. You know, yeah. with kids and, and with parents. I think that's, and that goes same with, with any school anywhere in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, when When's the, uh, when's the next marathon for you, Jim? Well, hopefully 2022, hopefully it'll probably be in the fall 2022. If all goes well, Harry, cause uh, again, like, um, the doctoral work the last four years would not being able, you know what I mean? Like, Training for a marathon is definitely, um, it's a life-changing experience in many ways, you know, and, and, um, for me right now, not going to the gym and I coach soccer now. So it's like, my days are like 6am to 6pm, 7pm. But once I get into May, then I can start running, but I don't, I'm not ready for, for this fall. And, um, my hope is next, next fall, maybe mm-hmm. it'll be at the same one I did, um, before Scranton marathon, there's a Steamtown marathon, which is awesome. That was my first one. And it's just the support's great. The everything about that marathon is fantastic. It's a very good mid mid size marathon. Like I don't work for Steamtown Marathon. I'm just saying it is a runner. I've done that one maybe six times. I don't know, six or seven times I've done that one. And there's a reason why I've gone back to that one so many times because it's just such a good, well supported, well run, no pun intended, <laughs> marathon. So yeah. Awesome. Well, if you guys listening are in the area, be sure to check that marathon out. Uh, Jim, where can my viewers find you? Um, I mean, like right now, I'm, I, I do have a blog that I just started. Um, 
you know, it's called Mental Health Musings, which is just M-H-M-U-S-I-N-G-S.com. And I, I mean, people are welcome to comment there. Um, I have an Instagram called same thing, M-H-M-U-S-I-N-G-S blog, B-L-O-G. And, you know, people are welcome to, you know, follow me there or they can, if, if they have questions, you know, like if they, they can obviously come to me, contact me, but just let me know that they, that they heard me on your show. So at least that way I can kind of, you know, there's a reference point there. Um, you know, so definitely welcome to, you know, find me in either place, you know, and, and again, like for me, it's just a matter of sending the message that there is hope on the other side of the tunnel. And, you know, I talk about one of my, one of my heroes is Winston Churchill, who himself suffered from depression, led England through World War II. And he said himself, when you're going through hell, keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like for me, it's, it's, it's just, you know, sorry about that. That's my pup. But, um, you know, when you're going through hell, just keep going. And, and for me, it's, that's the big thing. That's the message. Like, but find the people who, who are going to hold your hand and are going to take you to the other side. You know, really that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. When you're going through hell, keep going. Wise words from Jim. Thank you, sir, and, for this. This no, was a lot of fun. I appreciate no, it. Thank you, Harry. And, and thank you to the listeners, the watchers. You know, again, guys, like life gets better. You just have to uh, asking for help is probably the most heroic thing you can do for yourself. That's how you can be your own superhero. Like, in my opinion, because when you're, you know, when you're not sure about what's going on and just getting help, if you're a guy, you're a girl, it doesn't matter. Just find that person who will lend you that support and who will give you the help because, and you don't have to run a marathon. You know, like exercise was important for me. But you could just go for a walk around the block. That's fine too. Like you said before, Harry, be with nature. I mean, nature's such a great thing, and and just it can be, you know, if you want to do like a one k, like just literally one kilometer. That's how I started. And not saying you have to do forty two. Trust me, I don't know. Most people maybe not want to do that. Um, but but not not trying to discourage people. But I'm just saying, like, um, I'd be happy to help anyone who's interested in doing that because that's where I'm you know, can eventually get back to next. And, you know, there are dreams that you will accomplish and things that can accomplish when you become a, um, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. You wanted to go down, but that you, that are going to be there once you get better. Cause like I said, like going for a doctorate, doing hundred marathons, um, things like that. Before I was depressed, I would have never really thought about doing that. So it's kind of like you realize you you have that one opportunity that we're here in life and you want to make the most out of it. And, you know, these were my dreams, my aspirations. Everyone has their own. And once you have your calling, just go with it because it's 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 a cool ride. Yes, sir. I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, and to all my viewers. I will see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for watching another episode of my show. If you want more episodes of the H panel, the button's gonna be right here. If you wanna subscribe for more videos from myself, it'll be right down below. Please like, comment, share, give five stars. Let's keep this conversation going guys, all right? I'll see you next time. Thank you for your support.